Blog Talk Radio. Let me tell you about something new. A new show called G's Power. G's Power. Real talk for real saints. Are you ready? And it's for real. Welcome to G's Power Hour live every weekday at 11.30 a.m. on Never Had It So Good Entertainment Network. Your host, G, will bring you informative and entertaining guests and a variety of topics in a way that you can absorb and enjoy. Listen in weekdays and call in at 516-387-1944. We love interaction. All shows can be downloaded if you miss one or found on iTunes the next day. G's Power Hour is powered by Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network. Good morning, brothers and sisters, kings and queens, angels and saints, ladies and gentlemen, TGIF. Thank God. It is Friday, and welcome to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. Uh, today is Finance Friday, and we're going to get into that. Uh, we are have moved uh, Jabir Najir with Rajon Mortgage from Mortgage Monday um, and have him working with us with Paul D. Shelton of Warwick Shore to talk about mortgages and economics and other types of finances. But before we do that, we're going to get a little spiritual perspective on our lives today from Minister Neil Jones. Good morning. How are you, sir? Good morning. I'm doing exceptionally well this morning. I can't complain. Amen to that. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. So how how did you knew you're getting off in terms of, you know, the start? And um, how what are your thoughts in terms of, I guess, guiding our young people um, into and through 2023? Uh, New Year's is going, going good for me. Um, I when I come, when it comes to my youth, young adults, and their parents, like I talk to all of them, mainly my kids, so I tell them, I, I'm very honest about resolutions, and I'm very honest about how I don't promote or encourage anyone to make resolutions. I mm-hmm. I say that as resolutions, just it doesn't lead to it. Most resolutions don't lead don't lead to a lifestyle of discipline. It leads like a goal ah. to achieve, and after you that goal, then it's dropped, and then you back to what you were doing with with a little bit of what you used to do. Like forty, like what's that say? Forty percent of people who have resolutions. Dropped them by February. You know, oh, wow. so I I try to take my time to help the kids you know, or the, the youth and young adult. I gotta stop calling them kids; they're not my kids. <laughs> the youth and young adult. <laughs> you need to choose um, and and choose a life of discipline. You have to have discipline, and that's not just during the new year. That's all year long, no matter what you do, because discipline is one of the few things in life that carry over to other areas of our lives when we have it in our mind to be disciplined, to have some kind of order. You know, and so for the kids, for the youth, I look at them and I tell them, right now, your main thing to be responsible for that you can control, your grades, uh, your attitude, um, your chores, and, be, you know, being respectful at home and to others. Not a lot. You don't have to pay no bills right now. For the most part, most kids don't have to pay bills. I need you to work on the things you're supposed to work on. I, to my high school kids, I tell them, nobody should have to tell you to clean your room over and over again. 15, 16, 17 years old, there's something you have to start learning. 
five years from now, I saw the picture and you're five years from now, 20 years old, is this how your house going to look? You know, I want them to learn that mindset to be disciplined. Don't just make resolutions in New Year. Make the choice to be disciplined so you don't have to make resolutions. That you're already in the motion to keep going. But some of you just said and done, and they like the, the excitement of the resolution. But resolution, is, is, the definition of resolution is to make a decision to do or not to do something. Just be disciplined. So that's why I am with that. Will come when it, when but let me ask you something. Do we need to work on, let's say, changing the connotation of discipline? Because a lot of people think when hmm. you think discipline, you're thinking um, punishment sometimes. You're thinking, uh, you know, uh, just that harshness a little bit sometimes when you're thinking of discipline. When actually it's a matter of, I guess, modifying behavior and staying within certain parameters so as you don't, Hurt yourself, or you hurt, or hurt somebody else, right? Absolutely, I, I, that is definitely, and the connotation definitely has to be changed. Um, I know I have changed it for myself. Um, being a former athlete, you know, discipline was something that you had to depend on, because truth is, when you're not excited about what you're doing, the only thing that keeps you motivated is discipline, because. You, because when you are disciplined, it seems like you're doing the same thing over and over again with some changes and adjustments. But the main thing, you're doing the same thing over and over again. But yet that's mm-hmm. how you see growth. That's how you see uh, um, the fruits of your work, by being disciplined. Because as we all know, we are adults, there's some, you're just not going to be excited about doing the same thing every day, even if you enjoy doing it. Sometimes you want to do stuff differently. But, but with the um, responsibility of bills and no, we got we got payroll. You have people, you know, this stuff you have to do religiously or consistently. Got to be disciplined. But the, but I believe how connotation of discipline is saying discipline breeds rewards and promotion. It's not just the something that you do when you get in trouble. When you are disciplined, you will get rewards, and you are you you are targeted in for the promotion. You know that's why on my um in my office. I keep up a Mamba mentality from Kobe Bryant. Like, I, I, I was a huge Kobe Bryant fan because the man just put in work. Mm-hmm. That was it. And he and he, and he did the same thing over and over. He just played ball. And not not, not taking away from any, any other professional, but he was like, he right. coined it Mamba mentality. You get out here, you get it, and you just outwork everybody. And sometimes that's hard to do when, you feel like you're doing the same thing over and over again. That's discipline. Let me, though, ask you about, I want to get back to the resolution thing, which I know you say you don't necessarily encourage, but um, if you take the the derivative from from that word uh, and talk about resolve, maybe building resolve, is that maybe a better way of looking at a resolution, you know, finding something that, you know, you are, are committed to and, and building that resolve in terms of sticking with it. Uh, and, and when I say sticking with it, it's not, I think a lot of people think that with resolutions about you're doing something, you're committed, and you never fail or you never, um, you know, uh, I guess you could say uh, deviate. I think one of the things that we have to recognize is that we are human and sometimes you will, fail, 
you'll fall, you'll deviate. But I think it's a matter of, you know, going back to the, the original game plan. And if it isn't working the way that you originally designed it, maybe this is the time you look at, let's say, you know, finding that goal and maybe changing the perspective in terms of how you achieve mm-hmm. it. Absolutely. What are your thoughts? I think that, it, that- I think I think that's another way to uh, how you say uh, give a give a different connotation to discipline as a result. You know, settling your mind to to a solution. I think that goes to with the resolve. What comes to my mind is being focused and having one mm-hmm. thing you are trying to or do. So it's like uh, it's being focused. Like this is yeah. what I have to achieve, be done in whatever field anybody is in, when you have that resolve, because the thing, the thing, man, I can tell you this, uh, when you are, you have a resolve of what you're about to do, it's a whole vibe you're giving off. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just something, like, they ain't doing that, because they're going to go do this, I know it, you know, you know, they're not going to be up with the bull, they're going to go handle their business, they're not going to, they're not going to be out, they're not going to be up late, they're going to be writing the book they say they're going to write, they're going to be in the gym trying to lose that weight, they're going to be pushing the plate back trying to, you know, I think that's a different, uh, definitely a different way to look at it, to to help someone understand it's all going to the same thing. Whether whether one wants to coin resolution, resolve, or discipline, it all ends up being: mm-hmm. Do you have that dog in you to get it done or not? <laughs> so, right. I know when I when I played ball, that was what I had. I was never the best athlete. I was a good athlete. I was an All American, but I knew that. You are not going to outwork me. That's it. I know you probably can jump higher and be faster, but when you come down to it, I'm, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. And you're going to have to drag me out of here before I let you beat me. And not everybody wants to go to that, go to that uh, extent because some people say, well, it ain't worth it. Well, if you have a resolve in you, whatever you have a resolve for, it's 100% worth it. So, Minister Jones, can you give any, like, biblical examples, anything that you can think of or any scripture passages that um, maybe somebody could take and you know how they talk about having a vision board maybe something that someone can take and put on their vision board to help them uh, stay disciplined and stay focused it's to be anything I would say um, what is it uh, as a man think of so this is Okay. Uh, Proverbs, Proverbs 23 and 7. 23 7, it says, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he, he drink, saith he, speak, but his heart, but his heart is not with thee. So if you know that, then as you think it, so are you. Uh, that's the first one that comes to mind. Uh, wow. Okay. Simply because the, the story that comes to mind, honestly, is Nehemiah. Nehemiah, mm-hmm. who was a cupbearer at that time, he found out his hometown was in disarray. They were, they were beat up, battered, and bruised. And he made up in his mind, long story short, to go back to his hometown to rebuild the walls for his people. Now, when he got over back home, he had told the soldiers over there with him, he said, we got we to gotta build with one hand, have a hammer in one hand and a sword in the other hand, because they're going to try to stop us from building this wall. And they were in the land of, oh, no. That's what it was called, oh, no. And Nehemiah said, oh, no, we're going to get this thing done. No matter what they do, no matter how they do it, 
I know what God placed on my heart is to rebuild this wall for my people. So I'm going to get it done, regardless of who I have to kill so I can build. Not to be, you know, fatal like that, but the truth of the matter is he had a resolve. I, I have to get this done. And it's fine out throughout the Bible, a different story. If ever comes to mind, Nehemiah left what he what was considered a comfortable position, a comfortable spot being in the palace to go to a place of dissolution to rebuild it for someone else. That's a vision. That's something God communicates to him personally, you know, and whatever had to be done, he was going to do it. I say this, and I preached this one time, Nehemiah had that dog, and you weren't going to stop him from getting it done because it meant something to him. And that's why a lot of times people use resolutions so loosely. So when you say words like discipline, it brings about a mind frame of having a bit of authority, uh, responsibility, and accountability with discipline. And to get anything done, you're going to need those things. You're going to need some accountability to yourself and responsibility. And mainly, the greatest things that are done are usually done through you for others. When you want to do something and it benefits and it helps someone else and benefits them, that's what really changes you. That's what really pushes you, you know. Like me being a youth minister, I'm not doing it just for me. You know, I can preach to my kids. My kids, they, they receive Christ at seven, eight years old. I'm doing this to help someone else who doesn't have the opportunity to uh, to be to have that. They have there. There are kids here who never see a man reading the Bible. There are kids who never see a man uh, smiling and being generous to them just because they are who they are. And so I'm doing this to help someone else to, to understand that's my resolve. That's my discipline to make sure they know that there are men out here, black men who love them for who they are and how God made them. So that's what keeps me motivated. It keeps me disciplined. So, and Nehemiah, he's a, a little biblical hero of mine because he had that dog. He told them, hold this sword in one hand and hammer in the other. You build until you got to until you got to handle your business. Hope I answered the question. I get a little carried away sometimes. <laughs> no, you're fine. Really appreciate that. Um, and what was that Proverbs? What was that um, chapter and verse? Proverbs uh, chapter 23, verse 7. Chapter 23, verse 7. Okay. All right. I'm going to try to uh, – Get that when I get get a moment and post that on the G's Power Hour Facebook page. That I think, and I think all of us, not just our youth, I think all of us could could use uh, a refresher with that. So, Minister Jones, thank you so much. Really appreciate your time this morning, and you have a blessed day and weekend. Happy New Year. Same to you. God bless. Thank you for having me. God bless. When we come back, we'll talk with Paul Z. Shelton of Warwick Shore Advisors and talk about uh, the jobs report and some other stuff coming up. This is G's Power Hour. I never had it so good entertainment, and we'll be right back. Over the past 60 years, Dove Beauty Bar's superior formula has remained unchanged. But when it comes to beauty, everything changed. Together, we redefined beauty. We said no to stereotypes and yes to every type. We let go of judgments and embraced what makes us unique. We're proud to have been there with you, caring for you every step of the way. Here's to the next 60 years. Hi, I'm Tim Garrison. Uh, you may know me as Timmy G. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's been two decades, but I want you to know I'm back in the argument. And I've got a mix of music that can help you relax, and chill out. It's smooth. It's relaxing. It's chill out jazz. The soulful mix of smooth jazz, soul, and smooth R&B. So join me every Wednesday night, 10 p.m. to midnight on KHAM Radio. Hey, 
Good morning. Welcome back to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. And we want to thank again Minister Earl Jones for joining us this morning. Excuse me, Neil Jones this morning for joining us and um, giving us a little bit of perspective. And now we are finding out what's going on with our economy with Paul Z. Shelton of Warwick Shore Advisors. Good morning. How are you? And Happy New Year. Good morning and Happy New Year. I am doing well. I hope you are as well. I am. I am. Praise the Lord. He works everything out. Yes, he does. (laughs) Yes, he does. So what's been going on? How how are things starting off for you and your family? Well, things are starting off for us uh, so far so well. Uh, Kids are back to school. So we're back in the the house football. So we had a great Christmas, a great New Year um, holiday season. Um, So we were very fortunate, very blessed. And now we're back to the the norms of life of of school, homework, and economics, which you know I love. Um, but yeah, <laughs> we're back to it. We're back to the market. You know, typically you see a a somewhat of a subdued market. You know, during the final uh, couple of weeks of the year, um, there's not a uh-huh. whole there's some data that comes out, but it's not earth shattering because there's you know a lot of stores that are closed or businesses that are are not open and things move a little bit slower um at least mm-hmm. on the office retail space but sometimes in the shopping space it picks up so we're still waiting to see what the data looks like sales retail sales for the fourth quarter specifically during the holiday season um i would right. say from from personal observation um i was out in the stores uh, and, you know, I'm one of those that, that shops on Amazon as well, but I did spend some time out in the stores, and there were a lot of lines in a lot of the stores that I went to. There was a mm. holiday period. I know we spoke about this uh, maybe l- last year, but we spoke about it previously, you know, in, in tandem with the uh, you know retail apocalypse, how, you know, it used to be the days of going to the mall and walking around, and there's so much holiday cheer. People walk in the mall. There's mall Santas out. I felt like I I saw that again this year, and I don't know if if some of that was coming back because of the pandemic. We've all been inside for the last two years, and we've been ready to get back out and and get back into some normalcy in our life. But it appears that we are, you know, at a point where we're spending more money, our and we're, we're continuing to spend money, even though you know the economy and the signs are, are flashing for a recession. We're still spending money, and and if you look at today's jobs report. Um, we've added 223,000 jobs in the month of December, and that, that edged the unemployment rate down to 3.5%, uh, which is, you know, at that level of full employment for the economy is actually a little bit below the level of what natural full employment is economy. We still have about 1.7 jobs for every job seeker out there. Now, there is there are questions about, you know, how to do the matchmaking for those jobs. But essentially there is just under two jobs for every person looking for a job right now at the current time in our economy. And and like we've seen all year long, all, you know, 2022 as, as pandemic, as we recovered from um, the, the lows of the pandemic, I should say, uh, hospitality and leisure are is the industry that led the way again and added new jobs you know, over the course, you know, of the month of December, which is good to see because typically 
into the, the month of December and November, you see a lot of just retail hiring and people hiring, you know, just to fill those seasonal jobs. But to see that, you know, jobs are being, you know, picking up and still continue to pick up and very strong in the leisure and hospitality area um, lets me know that these, the data, one, the data that we saw several months ago that people are actually trading in, you know, more products and gifts for uh, memories and travel, that's continuing to play out. And that these leisure and hospitality jobs are not seasonal jobs. So these are areas where people will have continued employment really as we go forward and, and not just be, you know, on the book for the holiday season. So I, I think overall this is a very positive um, jobs report. Um, may not necessarily be as positive for many economists when they look at it from the standpoint of the Federal Reserve wanting to raise interest rates and slow down the economy. But you know, we did see continued drop growth, but it wasn't exorbitant to the level uh, where we feel that the, the Federal Reserve is going to, you know, you know, switch it to a higher gear and start, you know, the monetary tightening policy even, even, um, or push even further into that. So uh, now, I, I, something popped in my mind as, as I was kind of doing my running my errands today and was listening about the jobs report. Um, and I, I know you may not have the answer right now, but something I want to give you some some thought, some food for thought on. Um, uh, maybe we can talk about it next month. But I wanted to ask about um, co- companies that, let's say, bring employees from other areas versus hiring from hiring locally. And I wanted to talk about the economics of that. Um, I'm going to get back to some of the other stuff in a minute, but I was just curious because it got me thinking because I know, for example, my husband's company is one that uh, they closed down a couple of other locations in the country and brought some of the employees here to uh, work at the location here in central Florida. So my question, I guess, is for an employer, how cost-effective is it to bring someone from another location and and move them down here? Because a lot of times you end up having to make an agreement to pay moving expenses and other things, to and you know, and, and also you know having to accommodate the extra personnel versus. Hiring someone that has maybe some skills locally um, that they can maybe enhance those skills with maybe the same money that they would have paid to relocate someone down here. I, I, I'm just curious. It was just a thought that ran through my mind this morning when they were talking about the jobs market because, you know, I keep thinking about there's a lot of people here that could use some of the jobs that some of these companies that relocate into central Florida, um, they could, I, I could just, see them maybe trying to do training, which I, I in some cases I think might be uh, more cost-effective to train someone for some of these jobs from here versus relocating someone from somewhere else. Yeah, and that's a very good point. That's a very good question. Um, so I, I do have some insight on that. So, and, and you know, I'm going to go, you know, uh, I'm going to go in two different directions on this one. So one, okay. um, from from the from the inside, from the corporate standpoint, um, 
that decision is, is made, and, and we have been seeing a, 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 what we've called the corporate migration um, taking place specifically to um, what we, we, we call them as tax haven states like Florida. Their, their corporate tax isn't there. Um, the cost of living is much more palatable in Florida than it is in, in many other regions of our country. So we've seen specifically in the finance industry and funds and, and other um, hedge funds and I would say with other uh, financial companies, we've seen them move to Florida um, specifically for those particular reasons. Now, the second part of that is uh, you're making a long-term decision for the viability of the corporation. Uh, 20 years from now, is it still prudent for me to continue to run my business in New York City um, today because I want to be close to the stock exchange um, where now today's technology allows me to be, you know, on vacation on a cruise ship and still, you know, trade stocks or still run an investment firm or still run many corporations through the that we have. So it allows us to step away from the geographic location in which we were in, especially if that geographic location is expensive. So to many companies, the net present value of making that lump sum investment today of bringing a whole organization from, you know, Chicago or from New York City or from Los Angeles um, to one of these tax haven states is, is beneficial. On the other end of that, too, um, the thought process behind it is that the talent that we secured um, that has been working in this job for, you know, the last five 10, 15 years, uh, we're going to give them the opportunity to move along with us because we're accustomed to them as an employee and they're accustomed to us as an employer. So sometimes those relationships are, are kind of have created a strong bond and it's hard to say we're, we're moving, we're going to lay off the people in New York and, and backfill with new talent um, in Miami. You know, that's just unfortunately not always the case. But yeah, but I, I, the thing is, though, some of those people are not coming anyway. We, we know this. Um, a person who has a family with kids, you know, and may have grown up in a particular location and, and talking about moving, let's say, away from uh, the northeast or from the west coast to Florida, and, and you know, there's, they may like, oh, I don't know if I want to do all of that. You know, it may be better for me to find something where I am than to try to relocate my family. And especially you have kids that are established in certain schools or whatnot. Um, there are, you know, family ties because in a lot of cases the family is the backup babysitter or whatever, you know, um, carpooler, whatever. So some of those people are not coming. Yeah. And, and, and <laughs> so yesterday I had the opportunity to, to view our, you know, take a site visit with two um, financial firms in Jacksonville. So when I when I was there on site and taking a tour of the building, um, brand new operations for, for both of these very established financial firms, I would say each building was only about 20% occupied. And this is a, a growing trend, what we're seeing. They have the office, beautiful offices. Um, plenty of flex space inside the offices with hammocks and different things for the employees to be comfortable. Um, two separate companies. But both of them were at about 20 to 25% capacity 
um, because they have allowed their employees to be virtual. And many jobs, they are able to be um, virtual 100% of the time. A good portion of them, they're only able to be virtual um, maybe three days out of the week. So there, there is a lot more uh, that I'm seeing in, in those negotiations in that respect where, you know, you know I'm, I'm really tied into this community. Um, I know my company is moving and I don't want to move, but how valuable am I to the organization? And those become those one-off scenarios where I'm saying, okay, well, we'll, we'll allow you to stay in New York, um, but we're moving our operation here and you would be considered a tele-employee at that time, but still be able to conduct business. A lot of times, mostly just work from home. So, you know, there, that is that nuance that is going on, and, and unfortunately it's creating sort of a crowd-out crowd scenario for many um, native Florida residents, or I should say those Floridians that were already here before the great corporate migration, you know, started. But um, that's, that's honestly what I've seen you know, recently. Okay, so we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to get into the housing market a little bit. Um, Jabir Najir with Rajon Workers is going to join us. Um, we are here with Paul Z. Shelton of Warwick Shore Advisors. This is G's Power Hour. I never had it so good entertainment, and we will be right back. This is Douglas Dobbs of Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service. We have served the Central Florida community for 29 years with quality funeral and cremation services. Honoring all religions and faiths, we have been here for many grieving families. Whether it's a complete funeral service with a burial or a simple, dignified cremation, Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service is here for you. Located at 430 North Kirkman Road at the 408 Expressway, Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service, 407-578-7720, Dobbs dedicated to serving our families. Having a wedding, reception, family reunion, planning a banquet, or some other fundraising event. Need to share your knowledge through a workshop or seminar, or it's a difficult time and you need to plan a wake or repast. Let us help. At our gatherings, let us reduce the stress and make the occasion memorable, treasured. Call our gatherings at 407-968-9387 or email ourgatherings at yahoo.com. Let us help plan your special event. Good afternoon. Welcome back to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. We are here with Paul Z. Sheldon of Warwick Shore and... Jabir Najir of Rajon Mortgage. Jabir, good afternoon. How are you doing? I am doing good. Happy New Year to you, Gretchen. Happy New Year. How are things going? Everything starting off all right? Yes, it's, uh, well, you say starting off, I feel like I never stopped, so <laughs> it just continues. <laughs> that's, that's true. That's true. Sometimes it's just, uh, you know, just a, a notation on the calendar, but nothing much else changes, so. so yeah, what pretty we got much. Going- so what, how, what are you noticing with, with uh, the housing market so far? Um, maybe give us an update on the, the rates and then just tell us about, you know, what you're seeing in terms of, you know, ebbs and flows in, in your business right now. Well, for me personally, uh, I've actually seen a little bit of an uh, uptick in interested buyers. 
over the last oh, really? couple weeks. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if it's going to continue to actually be, um, I guess, applications where they're putting in offers on, on homes or they're really set back in the market. But I've had, actually had a couple of people that have actually were still on the sidelines that kind of reemerge just to kind of see where, they, where they're currently sitting. So maybe mm-hmm. we have to just touch base on that in a couple of weeks to see if they actually decide to jump back in. So I'm not sure if it's maybe the end of the year, them looking into next year and just getting prepared. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess that's one of the things we have to see if it actually, if, if everybody jumps in full full speed. Um, there, mm-hmm. there, It is expected that, um, you know, we will, you know, depending on who you speak to, but see, continue to see a little bit of a slowdown, at least for the first half of the year. But, you know, really I think what everybody's really waiting on is for either the feds to pause the rate hikes at the bare minimum and then eventually, of course, look to start cutting rates. But um, I believe that they're meeting again on the 1st, which they're expected to uh, increase. I um, have another rate hike again. Mm-hmm. So where – where are um, where are finance rates right now with the com- when it comes to mortgages? Where are they falling right now? Uh, so nationally, uh, right now we have on the co- conventional, and actually today just happens to be a little bit better of a day. They haven't really reflected on the rate sheets yet, but mm-hmm. uh, we're looking we're looking at low sixes for the thirty year fixed, and then the high fives for uh, FHA loan. But the market, as far as the, the bond market, there was a um, a drop today, uh, actually a pretty steep drop. So we should start to see that reflected on the rate sheets uh, pretty shortly here. Any so, new any uh, new products um, on the market right now, or any changes in any of the existing ones? True new products. Uh, lenders are still being conservative when it comes to lending. So, you know, we are still seeing, especially for a lot of our alternative loan products, they are lowering the loan to values, which means that you have to put down more uh, for the alternative loan products. And when I speak of the alternative loan products, I'm referring to the bank payment programs, the the, um, the DSCR uh, loan programs, which is the debt service uh, programs where you don't have to actually provide any type of income. You just show that the property is able to support itself for the rental properties. You are you are starting to see where they're asking. I shouldn't say start. They've they have been asking for a lot more in down payment over the last uh, maybe four to five months now, maybe even a little bit mm-hmm. more, but at least at least four four months minimum now. Um, so a lot of lenders who may have been a little bit I guess trailing in regards to tightening up, you're starting to see that continue along amongst other lenders where now they're asking for a little bit more of a down payment. And when I say down payment, everything is based on percentages in, when it comes to mortgages and increments of five. So the programs that require 20% down literally a month ago may be at 25%. So, wow. yeah, so if you're, look, if you're looking at 300... Squeeze. It's just a yeah. tight squeeze, period, because you're, you're talking sixes, and I'm like, I'm cringing, because, and, and I'm like... So thankful that I refinanced, that we refinanced when when we did, which was kind of, I guess, in the, I want to say in the middle of the pandemic or whatever, but when it went down um, into the threes and, and, you know, up mid to upper twos and stuff like that. And, and, and at that point, we were up almost at six at that point. So we were able to get, get it down. But, uh, you know, it's it's just 
you know, the the squeeze with the the having to have bring more to the table, the squeeze in terms of the the interest rate itself. Um, but now, one thing that uh, there was a uh, they've been kind of I guess alluding to there was a Fortune um, magazine, uh, uh, Fortune dot com uh, story out yesterday about um, so, uh, several uh, housing markets maybe uh, the the prices may be lowering. Guys, did you all see any of that? Paul Jabir, uh, anybody? Did, did you say I did? You say with the Fortune saw that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so did you say yeah, it was um did you say fortune. Was dot com. I'm gonna to try to post it. Oh, fortune, yeah. fortune. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah, I didn't see I didn't see it, but I know that um there's a couple different um outlets that I follow. Some are, you know, you know, your uh mortgage news daily to your um real some other real estate um uh companies to YouTube. So I know that there's certain markets that did show that they're starting to see a decrease in prices, and then there's other mm-hmm. markets that show that they're still going to continue to be strong for for some time. And when I say strong, maybe not necessarily increasing in prices, but just holding the current prices. Mm-hmm. Paul, what kind of factors do you think may be impacting some of those uh, dips in prices right now? Uh, dips in prices when you're talking to interest rates or when you're talking to home prices? Actual home prices. Um, I, it, it potentially could be seasonal. Um, right now, it's, it's typically not the time where you see a lot of people come into the market to, to really purchase a new home. You, you typically see the hotter season around um, repositioning for school zones and things of that nature. Um, so mm-hmm. potentially that could just be a, a seasonal ebb and flow that you can see there, um, it potentially is just a lot more structural um, demand may be shifting. You know, interest rates have risen significantly higher than they were in a short amount of time. Um, people that were sticking their toe in the water uh, maybe in February were shocked at how cold it was. And they made a, you know, try to stick their toe back in the water in, in, in June, July, and the temperatures were a little bit colder. And <laughs> You know, so they they may be just jumping in and out and trying to figure that out. And I was curious, and I am curious to see over the next three uh, weeks or so, you know, that feedback that Drill is able to give us on on those that he are seeing, you know, return to him now just to kind of, you know, test the waters to see uh, what else is happening. Jabir, I wanted to also ask you, have you noticed anything with regards to foreclosures recently? Um, not necessarily with regards to foreclosures, and many times I'm not on that side where mm-hmm. um, I would get that as opposed to maybe a, an agent who is looking to help save somebody's home. Uh, sometimes right. I do get, a, a, you know, somebody who's interested in trying to refinance um, to save their home, but, and I did have somebody recently that was in that situation, but there's nothing I could help them with because they're so far behind, but mm. um Many times, by the time they get to that point, they kind of know that they cannot refinance. Mm-hmm. So they're contacting an agent and uh, attorneys to try and save the home or, or possibly short sell the home. But uh, as far as on a national level, um, I know that there has been an uptick in foreclosures, but at the same time, I'm 
taking that with a grain of salt because I know for a very long time there was the uh, the moratorium that prevented uh, foreclosures. So I'm not sure if this right sharp increase is just putting everything back on par with normal foreclosures. So I have to look into the numbers a little deeper. Okay. All right. I you know and and I was just curious about that, and also what I was curious about is. One of the things that I noticed uh, as a realtor when I'm going out and in, in showing some of these houses is that a lot of these houses are in really, really sorry shape where I think a lot of the, the buyers have said, you know, if you you want it, I got it, you know, because at one point in time there was, they were talking about such a limited amount of available housing, especially affordable housing. Um, but – does it, have you seen, let's say, an increase in those mortgages, Jabir, that require, you know, the 203K and the home style loans where uh, some of the buyers are able to get some of the money to make some of those repairs, the necessary repairs on their houses? Have you seen any kind of increase in those? Um, a lot more increase, but sometimes whenever they really start to break, uh, get into the details of, you know, the rehab. Some mm-hmm. clients decided they don't really want to deal with it, and they may just look into a, a property that doesn't require that rehab. Mm. And really, yeah. it may seem a little overwhelming. I try to take care of much of the legwork as I can for them on, on my side, but there's certain things that I cannot make decisions for you on um, as right. far as what type of repairs, what type of flooring, uh, what type of, you know, if it needs a new kitchen. So I could always just kind of give an estimate of what those things may cost. I mean, coming from a mortgage broker standpoint, I'm not a contractor, so I can't, you know, right. hang, you know, put all your, put all the weight in one basket, what I, what I'm telling you. But when somebody's coming to me and they say, listen, I saw this home, it may need a new kitchen, new bathroom. And then we kind of just throw a number out there so we can start to formulate numbers, but they have to find mm-hmm. a contractor. And if they're not able to find a contractor, I can mm-hmm. assist them in doing that. But if mm-hmm. they don't have a contractor, sometimes they feel a little overwhelmed and, once you find right. a contractor, I'm able to work with the contractor directly to take that weight off your shoulder, shoulders. Mm-hmm. But um, you do need to work with that contractor to let them know exactly what you're looking to do. Um, right. but as long as you're able to get around right. that part, then I could. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I'm just I'm just thinking though. I think a lot of people out there who are looking for places are missing out on an opportunity. Um, you know, with the home style and and with the uh, 203k loans because it actually gives you an opportunity to to create do some create creative stuff i mean there's some stuff that are just basic is like you know <laughs> the wall needs to be fixed but at the same time depending on what type of loan you can still manage to get something that's in just bad you know you know shape and make it your own put in maybe something that a builder wouldn't put in uh, uh, you know, you get a chance to choose your own style in terms of flooring, in terms of, you know, kitchen and bath and other things, and make it something unique. And also you get a chance in some cases to, to control the cost at the same time, too, versus being at the mercy of someone else who has selected the the carpet and tile and, and you know, the countertops and all that type of stuff. So I, I think yes, what- really – go ahead. No, I was just going to agree with you because a lot of times some buyers may not be able to see the end 
vision of the home that they're looking at. So they just see a home that's a distressed home, and they're like, oh, you know, I want to stay away from that. And mm-hmm. pretty much all that's going to happen, and I think we've maybe have touched on it on a previous show, that an investor is going to come in there, the same house that you're looking at now that you don't want to purchase because it's not pretty, they're going to pick right. it up and turn around and sell it to you, and they're going to make a premium on it. So um, if you could see past that, then you'll end up in such much uh, in a much better position because you can negotiate, of course, a lower price because the home needs work, but then you're putting in the work on your own, which means that the profit that that investor may have made, now you get to keep that profit as equity in the home. And, and Paul, isn't that kind of part of, you know, when you're trying to do your, your financial planning and everything, isn't that something to that, that should be considered as part of, of a game plan when you're talking about, uh, you know, an, an investment such as a home? Because that is, a, you know, the, the, unless you're talking about, let's say, investing in a business or investing in a car, that is basically the biggest investment that you're going to make in your life, Right. That is correct, and um, you know, majority of our wealth is based on land or our primary residence in, in which we own. So that's been the biggest wealth maker and, and preservation of wealth for uh, many Americans, you know, and many citizens across the globe, essentially. So you know, that's that's something that should be you know taken um, very seriously, and and I agree 100% with with your grill. Um, you see that property that that. Keep some love to it. Um, try to look at it as, as what it would look like as a finished product when you put your personal touch to it. And and I know not, not everyone has that green thumb to be able to, you know, do the landscaping or, or be able to, to fix or change out cabinets or whatever you need to do on the interior of the property. But 90% of the time, whenever you buy a home, even if you buy a brand-new home, there's something that you're going to change eventually, whether it's right away you add different ceiling fans, add ceiling fans, or change lighting fixtures, or things of that nature. Something is going to be changed. So whether you you purchase that new home with the premium built into it already, you're still going to change something to personalize it to your taste and your preference. Why not find something that may need a little love and you know have a greater opportunity to add your personalization to it? We are going to take a quick break. We are here with Paul Z. Shelton of War Shore and Jabir Najir Raj on Mortgage. And if you have questions, the number is 516-387-1944. G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. We'll be right back. Well, welcome back to G's Power Hour. I never had it so good entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. We are here with Paul Z. Shelton of Warwick Shore and, uh, <clears throat> sorry, <laughs> frog in my throat here, uh, Jabir Najir Rajan Mortgage. And if you have questions, the number is 516-387-1944. So, Paul, geez, uh, what else is, is um, I guess, going on economically that we need to kind of be monitoring right now um you know it looks like uh those things that seem to kind of been taking a break are, are now back attacking us and what i mean is like the gas prices are going back up again that's what my main concern right now so uh what what is going on with that yeah so you know always we're being mindful of inflation in the economy and, and those inflating prices all 
in, in various areas, in various respects. We have seen an upward trend in gas prices, which has been bifurcated from the actual trend in petroleum prices by the barrel. So that, that shows that there is some other um, constructs in there when it comes to taxes, when it comes to other, you know, subsidies and things that are in there that are causing that change um, in prices at the pump. When you look at the price of the barrel, I believe we were at $73 uh, recently. That does not correlate to where we, what we are paying at the pump. So there are some other um, non-market contingencies that are in there that are, are fluctuating those prices. But with that being said, we have to be mindful that those higher prices, and, and like I've always said, um, gas acts as a de facto tax on any economy because it's something that we cannot live without. We're trying to move to a more um, globally successful um, energy-producing, you know, world, but we have not done that yet, and we have a long way to go before we're able to get to a place where we can truly rely on natural gas and clean energy. So we're going to continue to, to live off of crude oil uh, to, to function our lives, and as we do that, and as gas prices go up. We're going to continue to see our, our, I should say, see that rebound in other products in our in our um, in our economy, such as grocery prices. Which grocery prices were still elevated, but there were some things that I saw that you know I you know kind of said to myself, oh wow, that was a little bit better than the last time I bought you know this particular you know item. So and in in other areas. You'll see, you know, those those rises. But, you know, unfortunately, as it acts as a de facto tax, it's an immediate tax on the employee, on the citizen, because as soon as the gas prices go up, that has a pair rise correlation to leisure spending going down. Um, and it's not something that we can plan for and say, okay, gas prices are going to go up, you know, six months from now, and we'll save some to the side and We'll start curbing some spending now. No, it happens overnight, and then overnight you may have to not order pizza that next Friday or whatever the case may be that you're used to doing for creature comforts. So that's something to be mindful of and to consider, you know, as we move further into uh, into the year. Also, we're entering that, you know, tax season, which for some people is the all-dreaded tax season. For some people it's the the exciting time in life. Um, I would all, I always suggest to whether you're you're getting a refund or you're having to pay, you need to plan for tax season. Um, and a part of that is planning for retirement as well. Um, if you're getting that refund, don't just go out and spend it all right away. Sometimes part of your spending has to be budgeting. Budgeting is spending. You're spending money on this budget that you have. So you're spending money on your savings. You spend that money there to, to be prudent and, and save some up for tomorrow. So those are the things that I would really, uh, really want to earmark and, and share with the audience to, to be aware of and to think about um, as we move through the, the first quarter of this year. Okay, so I have a question about that, <clears throat> about the, the tax refund. Um well I well I got a couple of questions. Let me start with this one and I'm going to kind of direct this to to Jabir. Is there a way Jabir to take let's say a lump sum such as a tax refund 
and use it to pay down on an existing mortgage? Yes, you can. Um, so two, my mind's going to the route there. So you can. So if you pay down to a lump sum and you continue to make the, the same monthly payments that you always have made, the, the, the one that you're obligated to make monthly, then basically mm-hmm. you just pay off the home in a shorter period of time. Now, if you do make one lump sum payment, depending on how long you've had that mortgage, sometimes you could negotiate with the mortgage company to do a um, a, um, a reforecast, and that would actually mm-hmm. reduce your your monthly payments. However, okay. um, I know that we have spoke about it um, recently that if you run across extra money during this time, and maybe uh, Paul may be able to you know add to this, I'm not sure if that's something that you want to do. Is throw it all in the mortgage because depends depending on you know what your savings looks like. You mm-hmm. and we we don't really know what the you know foreseeable future is of the economy, you may want to keep that money as a rainy day fund just in case you need to tap into that. So if you have a bunch of extra money sitting around and you want to do that, then great. But I think that you also think, you know, six months, even maybe 18 months into the future of what's coming. Okay. Paul? I agree with that 100%. You always want to have that rainy day fund there um, because we never know what's going to happen, you know, and, and, and we get that and, I like to lean on the Bible for a lot of a lot of my references and knowledges, but you, you never know where you're gonna, you know, step upon, you know, those seven years of famine. But Hell you yeah. always you always wanna be prepared when you're in those seven years of, of um peace when you have, you know, the good times to, to always take some and storm to the side, um, just in case when you have that, that famine. It is great to pay down um, the mortgage. It is great to, you know, structure your mortgage car payments to, you know, where you're paying every 14 days or every two weeks um, as opposed to making a full payment at one time to help mitigate um, some of the interest that you have to pay back on that. But, you know, Jameer has a great point. You know, make sure that if you're balancing that with the stability of your personal balance sheet, um, inside the home before you know you know you pay off those uh, or add to you know that that debt reduction there. I wanted to ask you uh, too, really quick about the impact of some some other things that are going on, I guess globally and nationally, uh, or if any of this is having an impact. I know uh, a lot of us are getting kind of caught up in the uh, the the. Uh, Speaker of the House battle right now, uh, and and they're t- they're saying it's like well it's basic gridlock now until they get this resolved, nothing can really be done in in Congress. Is that does that type of situation have any type of major impact on our economy? Hello. Is that for me directly uh, or for? Oh, I was, Paul, I was trying to see what what your thoughts were on that. Okay, I'm sorry. I didn't know if that was going to Jabir directly or not. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, I think that would throw Jabir off just a little bit. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I thought you said it, and I apologize. But, no, that, there okay. is, um, there's a, a level of confidence, I think, that the United States has garnered that 
you know, we will get things done at the end of the day. I mean, we've come close to the fiscal cliff and gone over the fiscal cliff several times before, and the government was able to come together, Congress was able to come together and create a stopgap bill and create some kind of de facto or, you know, duct tape budget to get us through our operations. Um, our credit rating as a nation is still sufficient, even though we've gone over that debt cliff um, um, in the past. And we are still looked at on the surface as of today, although I feel personally that this is changing, we'll, we are still looked at as the um, gold standard when it comes to um, our economy and when it comes to operating um, a judicial system, when it comes to operating a um, congressional system. And I do say I, I believe that is changing because we're no longer at the point where we are um, – essentially out there educating other countries on how to establish those functions in in their economy. And could that play uh, a significant event or a negative role in our in our markets and our economy in the future? Yes, um, and that's long-term future, but mm-hmm. nothing in the intermediate or in the short-term realm I think will be affected um, by this. It is interesting to see um, we're at, what, 12 votes now, and and we still are unable to confirm um, the Speaker of the House. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it it is very, very interesting uh, to see what's going to happen and and what will happen. But as far as any financial ramification, as far as the the government not being able to run itself or we have an elapse in readiness from our military, I don't think we're at any major risk of that. Gentlemen, thank you. Jabir, how do we get in contact with you if we need your assistance? Well, you can always contact me by email at Jabir, J-A-B-I-R, at Riajan, that's R-I-A-J-A-N, dot com. Or you can contact me at uh, 888-326-0285. Paul? You can reach me on all social media under Warwick Shore Advisors. And you can reach our corporate office at 407-440-3642. Gentlemen, thank you for your time today. Really appreciate it. And, again, Happy New Year to you and your families. And uh, we'll talk again next month, God willing. Take God care. bless. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you all for listening. Enjoy your weekend. Be safe. Um, there's a little chill coming tonight, y'all, so, you know, grab a sweater. You know, but um, enjoy and, and take care. Be well. This has been G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Be well, be safe, be blessed, and please remember, all real power comes from God. Take care. <laughs>